Will we see you at CBP Connects presented by Arrive POS in St. Louis, Missouri, June 20th to 22nd, 2022? While we strive for a day when our in-person workshops will be 100% free, we are extremely proud to offer one of the industry's most affordable events. Join us for three days of networking and education, 10 interactive workshops, three nightly receptions with drinks on CBP, and one not to miss opportunity for you to build relationships with your fellow craft beer professionals. Only $149. Huge thanks to Arrive POS, River Drive Cooperage, Strike Visuals, and White Labs for believing in CBP. See you there and learn more at cbpconnects.com. Cheers. Hey, everybody, and hello, Kyle. It is always a pleasure to see you. It was a pleasure seeing many of you this past week in Minneapolis. Hope you're hard at work and feeling well. Now, Kyle, I feel like every time I see you, you have a different business name following your actual name. Tell me a little bit about that and what you do in the industry. That's probably not good. Um, I I am a commercial insurance agent. I specialize in the insurance for craft beverage companies, uh, food and beverage. And um, I usually have up on there craftbrewinginsurance.com. Um, but I don't only do craft brewing insurance. So I do craft beverage and food insurance. But so the, what you have here is craft BVG INS. I also, again, craft brewing insurance seems to take up the whole screen. So I, I gave this one. They all point to the same place. You get me no matter what. I like that you were thinking ahead. That's definitely a smart move. And, you know, with all the beverage companies you work with, is there a certain type of beverage that fascinates you most? Or is there one type of company that you really enjoy interacting with? Um, you know, I enjoy interacting with all of them. They are a lot of fun. Every conversation is different. Um, it's, there's, you know, but it's usually, I just, I love beer. Like, you know, no offense, spirits, no offense whatever but i love beer and i love classic cocktail I like making and drinking classic cocktails but uh you know i just i'm a beer guy i don't know grew up that way and you know not i didn't grow up drinking beer but uh been around beer i like beer I well beer. today we're gonna dive into a fun topic we're gonna dive into keeping your beer garden safe and i think so often insurance is I don't want to call it a boring area to dive into, but I think we're going to show how it can be very, very relevant to planning your spring and summer is making it the most successful, safe and memorable for everyone. But before we dive into that, Kyle, I know you and I have a lot of conversations about what we're listening to, whether it's a podcast or what we're reading. And right now, I just finished reading Thinking in Bets by Annie yeah. Duke. And the whole premise of the book is making a decision when you don't have all the data. But as the book winds down, it dives into a really neat section. It kind of talks about planning ahead, not being complacent. And one of the things it dives into is envisioning where you'll be tomorrow, next month, a year, five years in the future. And it's not just about, you know, how successful you want to be, but also thinking about the worst case scenario. So thinking about the worst case, thinking about best case scenarios, going five years in the future then working backwards to how you're going to get to that end result. And for example, you know, a worst case scenario is your brewery going out of business in five years. How might that happen? Well, let's say five breweries open up within half a mile of your place. What are you going to do that if these five breweries open that you can do to still be successful to prevent you from going bankrupt? You know, on the other hand, let's say you want to do $5 million in revenue 
five years from now? What are all the routes you can take to make this possible? Literally think about every single avenue and revenue stream that's going to help you get to that $5 million a year mark and work your way there. And this is something you need to be thinking about now so you can be as successful as possible, but also, you know, minimize the failure as most as much as you can. I think it's always important to plan ahead. And, you know, how does this relate to the insurance world? You got me. I got to get a notepad now. You got me thinking about all these other things. Um, <clears throat> all right. So I think anytime that we are talking about where we want to go, obviously we need to create a plan. Um, but also, you know, how do you separate yourself from the other brewery down the street? Um, that is, you know, the, the barrier to entry into this business seems to be fairly low, right? To get a liquor license uh, for a brewery is, you know, there's not much cost there and you can start off, Hey, you make a couple cans and they start, you know, catching on. And, um, so beer is always going to be the separator, but what else do you create that makes a customer want to come back? And you and I talk a lot about experience, um, staff, uh, the music, the events, and you know the outdoor beer garden space. If you have one, maybe somebody else doesn't. So anyway, you know, you're talking about that. Hey, five years down the road, if I'm here and successful, why? If I'm not successful in five years, 10 years, why? Um, and you know, that's that's we just talked about right, right here atomic habits uh that is you can kind of visualize are right, if i got to this place um what did it take what were the pitfalls what was good what was good what was bad and and how do you navigate those situations so you can kind of visualize those walk through them that's how olympic athletes train uh so picture yourself what is that feeling like when you get to you know that high point or that low point um try to navigate around that so you know, I think when it comes to what we're talking about here, you know, how do you stand out? You got five breweries down the street. How do you stand out? I think, again, as, as we just discussed, and it actually went live today, our podcast about um, Atomic Habits, the book. Um, it's episode 138, Beer Muddy Things podcast. Um, but what brings you back? Why should I come back? Is it just the beer? Everyone's usually got good beer and beer is going to be your first you get one chance at a, at a first impression, right? So your beer is going to be the reason people come back. Um, maybe you're tweaking out some some things and, you know, adding events, adding music and, and things like that. But how do you stand out? Um, and, and that is, you know, when it comes to then translating into insurance, you know, maybe it's adding a second location. Um, maybe it's, you know, increasing staff. All these things come with risks. All these things have a part within that insurance world. So... Yeah, all these things, you know, hey, the more sale your your insurance is going to be tied to your sales figures and your property values and your payroll, right? As you grow, those figures are going to grow. Um, ultimately, your insurance premium should be around 2% of your overall sales. It seems to be like the benchmark, 2, 2.5%. So if you're paying more than that, um, be, be curious as to why. If you're paying like less than that and you don't have a lot of on-premises, um, actually, if you're paying... If you're paying a lot less than like two, two and a half percent, and you're doing a lot of on-premises consumption, you should be concerned um, in that regard. So you're probably not paying enough, which means you probably don't have some of the right things. Everybody um, pull out your notepad and write that number down. Yeah, two, two and a half percent. You know, I've been doing this eight years and working with over 150 breweries and distilleries. And that's that's kind of the sweet spot. If you, you know, if you're paying two, two and a half percent for your insurance all in. Now, again, some people have, you know, 18 wheeler trucks and all those things create different exposures. But if you're pay, if you're overpaying or if you're underpaying that, take it, take a look at it. You know, that that's something we want to take a look at. Two, two and a half percent 
of your sales figure. Good info there, Kyle. And we came together today because we want to talk about planning ahead for your beer gardens. The weather yep. is warm, whether you're listening to this in May 2022 as it's live or you're planning for a future beer garden season. We want to talk about some aspects that you might not typically think about when planning the most successful experience. But Kyle, let's go back to basics. What in the world is a beer garden? I know it seems like such a basic question, but I think you've got an answer for me there. I do have an I have an answer. It was a fun little thing that I I dug up and you know, I I talked about this and wrote this down for a current client. They were expanding into a beer garden. They're like, "What do we need to know?" And I was like, "Well, let's you know, let me do some research and get back to you. Like I knew what they needed to know, but it also just triggered the fact like, I want to know more about how the first beer garden became, right? So it originated back in the early 19th century Germany. And the original purpose of the beer garden was to be an extension of the brewery because there were fire hazards by the overheating brewery equipment. So what happened was there was a ban on breweries making beer in the summer. They weren't allowed. So in turn they had like we always do all of our breweries right they think outside the box so they responded by digging cellars aside the river to store beer and keep it cool during the summer fermentation process brewers would you know put down gravel and plant trees and keep all the the beer shaded eventually uh the bavarian king ludwig had granted the brewers the right to sell their beer from where they brewed it right you weren't allowed originally and these cellars and outdoor spaces became not only where beer was fermented, but where it was also served. So I thought that was interesting. You know, the breweries then would set up tables and benches right outside and, you know, call it the beer garden. Um, it was illegal for breweries to sell food. So patrons would have to bring their own. Um, eventually, the ban was lifted and beer gardens became kind of that hybrid of a beer serving area with a restaurant, place where you brewed it, much like we have today. Um, another thing was interesting was a word that came out of this, and I love it. And now that I know it, I start to see it a little bit more. Um, but it's called gemutlichkeit. And what that refers to is a notion of belonging and social acceptance and cheerfulness and my favorite, the absence of anything hectic. All right, so it was an opportunity for people to get together, spend quality time together. And wow, that's uh, so funny you just pulled out that word because I just literally learned that word on Friday. No, when I, I was at Minneapolis. I went to a beautiful brewery with a beer garden, and above the indoor bar, it was Bauhaus Brewing. It was in Minneapolis. They have that word neon letters right above the bar. Then you go out and enjoy the beautiful beer garden. So there's your tie into the word and the beer garden theme of the day. But back to you. I never heard of it. Um, I had to learn how to say it. You know, I'm like listening, like Siri, how do I say this? Uh, but gemutlichkeit. Um, it's almost like gesundheit, like a you know, sneezing here. Um, but yeah, so that's how the beer garden came about, right? It was illegal to it, illegal to serve food. It was too hot to brew beer. So they had to think outside the box as we do. Um, but then, you know, the uh, beer gardens tended to have some form of entertainment, right? Live music was common. Games were common. And, you know, now what we see is, you know, trivia and things like that. Talk to us a little bit about what you know about some recent trivia that's worked. Yeah, I think we were sharing this in a past conversation. So there is a brewery near me. I'm in Norfolk, Virginia. And as we know, a lot of the early weekdays are often kind of slow in tap rooms. You often have the same regulars. You never expect a whole lot. 
but that doesn't really mean you can't try outside the box ideas. And, and I love what my local brewery did. Shout out to Makers Craft Brewery in Norfolk, Virginia. They did a really good job. They're also going to be a reception venue at CBP Connects in September, which I will see you at, Kyle. So we're going to share a beer at this. I don't know if we're going to play the game that I'm about to talk about, but we'll at least get to experience the taproom together and a beautiful beer garden at that. So what Makers did, they took a Monday night and one of their taff, staff members loves serial killers. They love everything serial killers from, you know, watching the shows on Netflix to binging the podcast to reading the articles in the news about the latest and greatest, you know, off the wall news story. So they also love trivia. So they wanted to put the two loves together and create a serial killer trivia. And they tried to find other questions out there to see if anybody else had done it before. And if anybody else has done it before and you're listening, awesome idea as well. But they did a serial killer trivia on the Monday night. They promoted the hell out of it. And they had a packed tap room on that Monday night better than most Fridays, all because they had this idea and they thought outside the box. And a really neat thing about this idea they had, you know, you can have this idea. You can make one post on serial killer trivia on your Facebook, on your social media, and you can expect for it to work. But that's not how things actually work. You got to plan out your marketing for this. You got to look at, you know, like we talked about a minute ago, where you want to be and how you're going to get there. Who on your team is going to be involved? Who's going to participate? Who's going to be the host? Can the staff behind the bar and all the servers explain how this serial killer trivia is going to work? And you also got to promote it properly. You can't, once again, just add it to your event calendar, expect people to stay. But this was a really great example of a brewery having an idea, trying on an off night and making it work. And now they've got a formula to repeat an event that they could probably do. I'm not going to say every Monday night, but they know it'll work every now and then because people obviously create it. That's terrific. Uh, and obviously, like you said there, too, you can't just have an idea and like, hey, we're going to do this tonight. It's like, well, wait a minute. You know, we have plans tonight. My kids have practice tonight. Like, let's plan it. Let's promote it. Let's, you know, maybe get an RSVP going to see who's going to come. Um, so and then that gives people time to gather like teams and such. Right. Because it's usually not just one person rolling up to a trivia. They're rolling. They got their trivia team. You're, you're calling your serial killer watching friends, you know, uh, that are, that want to be involved. So I don't know how um, well I would do, but I think it'd be a unique event to experience. Yeah, no, that's great. Uh, some of the other things that I've seen, obviously, you know, we got a lot of the yoga, we got a lot of the painting, I'm seeing running clubs, biking clubs, um, and, and yoga, or, you know, any of those things, try to get them to sign a waiver, right? If they are, you know, hey, listen, uh, yoga instructor is responsible for you getting injured, um, you know, follow the lines on the roads when you are doing your running or your cycling, um, just be safe, right? Have some sort of waiver, protect yourself. Um, Another fun option is to do like a beer well, tasting. Hey, Kyle, while, while we're yeah. talking waivers for a sec, do you sign that waiver before or after someone has had a beer in hand? I, I, I would have them sign the waiver before they are, you know, doing Just anything. Just to confirm that one and put it on the radio here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, always up front, you know, let them understand what's going on. And then what, how about, you know, that could even be sign the waiver, get a beer, right? That's kind of your, could be your reward. Kind of goes um, back to that Atomic Habits conversation we did have quite a bit you know yeah yep absolutely make people motivated motivate make it simple make it easy approachable fun so let's dive into you know how to get the beer garden ready because right now we're in may 2022 a lot of people already have their beer gardens open but let's pretend it's a little chilly outside you're just about to open yours what should breweries be doing right now to prepare or if they haven't already done these steps they can dive into them so, so I looked up kind of the best beer gardens right in the East Coast here, and, and there were five common themes. Uh, 
obviously got to have seating, right? We need seating um, and we need a flat surface with stones or a flat lawn so that people aren't tripping and falling. And that's going to be one of your biggest uh, exposures to risk in insurance situations, right? Bodily injury. Um, they oftentimes have a lot of plants, greenery, some sort of decor. Um, and then going back to gamutlikite, right? A form of uh, escapism, right? Absence of anything hectic. So try to, if you're able to, have some sort of view, have something cool for people to look at and get away from their day to day, right? They're coming there to have a beer to kind of unwind and enjoy some company, uh, get their mind off of, you know, the, the craziness that is life. Number five would be beer, obviously, right? So beer seating, uh, flat area and decor planters, a form of escapism. So those, those are the in this five. Mix at all, Kyle? Say that again. Does having any sort of food option fall into this mix? Um, Obviously, I think just from a standpoint of getting people to stay there, right? You want to have food, um, be it a your kitchen or a food truck. Um, obviously, you might have two beers and people say, hey, listen, I'm hungry and they leave. Right. We want to keep them there. Um, you make your margins on premises there with your with your sales. So food's an option um, that I would recommend. It was not a must for a beer garden, though, uh, in the items that I saw. Definitely recommended, though. That's a fun little um, piece of trivia you got there. Oh, yeah. That five list. That's it. Well, when looking we... at protocols, you know, once people are opening their beer garden daily, I personally love checklists. You know, I love to make sure everything is in line. What kind of checklist or protocols do you recommend for brewers to make sure every day they're maximizing the safety of their guests, you know, in the beer garden? Yeah. Uh, and I did read since we spoke the checklist manifesto. Um, I actually listened to the audio audiobook and it was awesome. It was good. My only complaint was it was a little too heavy on the examples versus actionable things you need in the checklist, but it still really stresses the importance of having a checklist, whether you're a beer tender or a pilot. Yeah. Um, write it down, check it off. Don't miss a step. Uh, when it comes to developing protocols, what I have found is that you have an indoor space that you're typically running all day, every day. That's pretty, it's got a pretty good flow to it. Now you're adding this outdoor piece. Now your beer is coming from farther away. You have servers maybe delivering that beer from farther away. So make it simple. We want to simplify stuff when it's outside. Um, if it's a menu, remove shareable items, right? Um, maybe take reservations. Start to look at the data as who's coming and when. Um, don't overstaff. Don't understaff. Um, don't overorder or underorder when it comes to some of these raw materials and things like that. Um, have some sort of cleaning schedule, right? People are coming and going. Um, obviously, germs are a big part of what we do nowadays. And that is something that, you know, we can control, right? People get up, have a plan, clean it off, get the next people seated, get in and out, right? We want to have that turnover for your servers as well, right? That's going to give them greater tips. Have plans for poor weather. Um, you know, we, I always, <laughs> I say it often when it comes back to the outcast song, Miss Jackson. Um, we just, experienced this this past weekend at home um, with lacrosse and whatnot, but or with Mother's Day. You can plan a pretty picnic, but you can't predict the weather, Miss Jackson. Um, so, you know, you can do all the planning you want, all the trivia set up that you want, but if it's going to rain and you don't have some sort of cover, well, now you don't have an event. Now you miss out on that. So have some sort of way to shield your customers, whether it be poor weather or super hot weather. Um, those are some of the protocols there. Manage bookings. Um, 
maintain that hygiene, as I mentioned. And again, you want to track that data, who's coming and when, what days are bad. Maybe you don't have to have the beer garden open every day or on a day that maybe it's typically not open, say a Monday, but you can have a beautiful Monday, make it an event. Like, hey, listen, we're open today. Come on in. So let's talk about outdoor events for a minute. A lot of breweries are doing live music outdoors. And I was at an event in Minneapolis and it was a beautiful day. They're having a live concert. They were very, very lucky it was a beautiful day because they expected quite a large crowd at this event. I asked the promoter for the show, what were you going to do if it rained? Their response was, it's not going to rain. Obviously, <laughs> you know, you need to have that plan in place. And I think they would have moved it to a certain area if you know, it had been inclement weather, but that's something you got to plan for. If you're going to plan a really big, you know, once a summer concert, you yeah. need to think about that rain plan. You know, are you going to move it indoors? Are you going to cancel it? I think you need to look at every worst case scenario then think about how you can make it a success. And, you know, probably the worst option you could do is just move it to a future date, I imagine. But, you know, Kyle, what are your thoughts on breweries, you know, having an event scheduled then weather takes its toll and they have to kind of reevaluate their plans. Yeah. I think when they make that plan, they have to have a backup, you know, uh, a plan A and a plan B, but also there, as you mentioned that we need to communicate with the patrons who were planning on coming. So how do you do it? Make sure that they're hitting all the social outlets, um, have a post up on your webpage, post up on Facebook or wherever you do it. And people show up and go, listen, I thought you guys were doing this. Like, no, uh, you know, we're not. And okay, well you didn't tell us, right. We traveled here or something like that. So I think that, you know, communication is key, um, kind of in all aspects of life. But um, in that situation, you got to have a backup plan, have a way to maybe bring it indoors and be able to deliver that same experience, uh, even if you can't deliver the sunshine. You, there's only, you know, control what you can control. Well, in outdoors, you're also dealing with wind and, you know, wind can make things kind of messy. And it's kind of funny because I think every other brewery owner that I know has head janitor in their job title on LinkedIn. So everybody knows that you're going to have to be spending some time cleaning up. Yeah. But do you have any best practices for dealing with weather and helping keep things clean? Let's just say, you know, we got 20 mile per hour wind, yet it's sunny outside and 75 degrees. People want to enjoy it. But when napkins start flying, any tips yeah. for keeping that outdoor area clean? Yeah, well, you know, if you're going to have napkins and things like that, we obviously want to have some sort of paperweight. Um, if we are going to have tables and chairs outside that are fairly lightweight or umbrellas, Make sure that that stuff is tied down or weighed down uh, with sandbags or even tie tables together, or tie it to a post that's that's nearby. Um, have have those things in place to so it doesn't blow away. If you've ever seen, you know, like party tents, you know, 20, 50, 60, 70 people party tents, when those things blow away and they do, they create a lot of damage. That That's an easy $30,000 property damage claim and somebody gets poked or hit or, you know, uh, you know, by, by the stakes. Um, but yeah, obviously nothing's perfect, but do all you can assume that you're going to have 40 mile per hour winds, even if it's 10. All right. So, so plan ahead for that. Um, that would be my thoughts in regards to things blowing away. So let's tie them down, make sure that, uh, they're double checked, make sure that you have somebody outside who's paying attention to that. Cause you might have a beautiful day and then all of a sudden a storm rolls in and now you have wind, right? So, so now you're scrambling you got people there, um, you just want to be a, be ahead of it, be aware of what could happen, plan for it, and um, you know take the take the proper precautions. And when brewery owners or managers are interacting with their insurance agent, should they make the agent aware of all the procedures they're putting in place outdoors to kind of prevent worst case scenarios? I would say you know your insurance agent is your partner, right? 
Uh, we are a partner to your brewery. So we want to know what you got going on and we can offer insights. So here is an example. I have a new brewery that opened uh, that I'm working with. And they said, hey, we're going to open up a beer garden outside. This is the first time doing it. And the township wants to know what our precautions are or what our plan is. I was like, well, what's your plan? He's like, oh, I don't really have one. Like, okay, well, let's brainstorm. All right. So here are a few items that I came up with. And he was like, these are good ideas. And I was like, cool. Well, I'm glad you called. So we kind of worked this out. Um, it brought it to my attention and brought it to his attention. Um, the things that we are going to want to think about when it comes to having an outdoor beer garden, especially if it's your first time. Again, I mentioned slips, trips and falls, remove stuff that people can trip over, make sure things are clearly marked, maybe a spray them with yellow or white paint, that sort of thing. So people aren't tripping over um, heat and sun, right? I talked about the, we talked about the rain, but we'll also have some shade, right? It's a hot day. Maybe there's no airflow. Try to provide airflow if you can, some sort of fans, but maybe there's no airflow. It's hot. Maybe somebody is, you know, older and, you know, they, they're prone to, you know, getting sick or, or getting heat stroke kind of thing. Provide water, make sure there's air, make sure there's shade. Um, water is a big part. A lot of the times that I looked up safety precautions, almost in like anything we do, it's like, make sure water is available. Um, we're, our bodies are 90% water. So we want water. Um, eight ounces of water can change a lot of things often related to water. One of my favorite brewery experiences that I have no idea where I was. I just remember it happening. I, I ordered a flight and also on the flight board was a cup of water. That way I could, you know, clean my palate between beers, but also stay hydrated. It was a fantastic idea. Yeah. That's simple to do. Yeah. Add a fifth cup on that. I like that. <clears throat> now looking oh. at, you know, the outdoor areas, are there any recommended signage that you encourage breweries to have up? Yeah, I, I would clearly mark the area that is ours, right? Stay away from our neighbors. Try not to, you know, make sure that, hey, we know where trash receptacles are. Make sure that we know where exits are and entrances. And also to that point, really have one entrance in or out, um, one entrance exit, one point, so that you don't have people coming in and out all day, maybe off the street. Maybe people are underage. They come in, grab a beer off a table. They're, they're you know. We want to make sure that we have some sort of flow and control. Because, again, when you have a lot of people outside, you can lose control. So uh, kids, uh, kids are going to run around. So have sign. there's only so much you can do, but you can at least put up signage that says, hey, listen, uh, parents, you are responsible for your children. Please, you know, keep them in this area or, you know, keep them within X amount of feet of you. All right. We know they're going to run around. We know they're going to have fun, but, you know, we don't want them to get hurt. So. You can't police everything, but what you can do, you know, putting up a sign shows that you've made an effort. You've made a way to communicate. People should see them have more than one. Um, those are those are some of the things you can do. You know, obviously, it's not perfect. I know of a beer garden that is down near a river, right? It's an outdoor space, live music, and you can, you're allowed to go in the river. But hey, listen, there's no lifeguard on duty. You're allowed to go in the river. Wow. Well, it's a river. Right. It's a river. So, sure. you know, it's a public area. And if somebody wants to go in, then you need to know, listen, we are not responsible. You are swimming at your own risk. There is no lifeguard. So those situations, obviously, you want to have I always say, hey, have cameras, make sure they're on, make sure that they are recording for 24 to 70, you know, or 24 to 7, 24 hours or seven days, keeping them on file. Um, cause that kind of comes back to be, you know, in the event, something happens, Hey, you, it was clear on camera. You did all you could to be, you know, make these folks safe. Um, intoxicated customers, right. They're going to do some, some things. Um, 
again, when it comes to drinking heavily and we want to avoid that obviously, but, um, the heat is a problem. Lack of water is a problem. Hydration is important. Um, also when you have people coming in and out, you're outdoors, you're on a street walking in that sort of thing, outdoor seating out front, even make sure they're not sitting on cars on the street, make sure they're not in the street, make sure that you again, have this area that is roped off. Um, check IDs for anybody who looks under age 35. If you're 21, you get a wristband. Then you know that people can't just come in off the street. If they have a wristband on, their ID was checked, they belong there. Um, plastic cups are usually what we recommend outside, right? Nothing worse than stepping on glass. So, you know, obviously you might have a 16 ounce cup. If it's a higher ABV beer, then we're going to do, you know, you're not going to change the cup. You're probably not going to buy all sorts of different cups. You're filling it halfway or you're filling it whatever you know you find appropriate for that style of beer and that abv um have the host outside you know kind of policing the space have somebody out there who's paying attention um no kyle i want to go back to a second for your river example that's obviously an extreme example and a river behind a brew sounds absolutely amazing but when you have alcohol and other fun activities together it's easy to combine the two. And I imagine it's happened before that someone thinks they're clever. They take their beer out. They go stand in the river. You know, how can breweries prevent people from taking their drinks in areas they shouldn't? And who's responsible if that does happen? Well, you know, sign is, hey, no alcohol beyond this point. No drinks beyond this point. Maybe no people beyond this point. Um, we can have it roped off. There's only so much you can do, uh, but you got to make an effort. Um, what was your next part of that? How you know, do, and, how do and who's, who's responsible, responsible if that happens, you know? Ultimately, I guess it's kind of two parts, right? I mean, you're responsible for yourself, uh, and a brewery is responsible to keep people safe. Um, so hopefully a, a, a common sense approach here or your friends are trying to, you know, help you be safe too. I don't know a real answer for that. You know, we do <laughs> insurance does cover bodily injury, right? So um, unless it was an intentional act, right? So it all depends. But, you know, we all know that if somebody were to get injured, you know, all parties involved are getting a phone call. Um, it's really all we can do is is do our best and, and have guidelines, have have rules and, and make your staff follow them as best they can. And try to minimize that risk as much as possible so that situation and hopefully doesn't happen. And another situation we don't want to happen is underage drinking. You mentioned just now, you know, IDing everyone. I think that's extremely, well, everyone under 35, I think it's really important. I love your wristband concept, just so yeah. you can identify people who, you know, are supposed to be served beverages. Yep. That's very important. You know, have a, have a bright wristband, yellow, pink, something that you can see from a distance. Um, also, you know, a lot of the folks are going to be tips or ramp trained, right? It's, uh, safe serving. You don't know if that person or those persons have come from another brewery, another bar, another restaurant. So make sure that your staff knows how, how to identify people who have been drinking. Um, pay attention to their tab and make sure that they're not over drinking. Um, because again, in that situation, say they say they have one beer at your place, they go down the street and have 30. Well, again, something happens, everybody's getting called, right? And that's where the cameras come in. That's where your POS system comes in because they will take a look at the tab, see how many drinks they were served, if they were overserved. Um, and again, you want to be able to identify if when they got there, they've already been drinking. Maybe it's one or two beers. Okay, well, now you can give maybe one or two, something like that, but don't give four, right? Because now we're, now we're 
you know, getting into some, some serious territory when you have, you know, 8% beers, things like that. And Kyle, you know, how, how can we be respectful of our neighbors? You talk about people going from brewery to brewery, brewery to restaurant. What should businesses be doing to make sure they're being mindful of the people on either side of their facility? Yeah, I, I always say, again, communication, right? It's I have somebody move in next to me. I'm walking over and introducing myself, right? So when you, you're you coming in, you're building your brewery, you're moving in your space, get to know the neighbors. Um, be friendly with them. Let them know ahead of time, weeks ahead of time. Hey, we're going to have people here. Hey, we're doing an outdoor beer garden. Hey, you guys are welcome. Invite them over, right? Find out when they like noise, when they don't like noise. Um, and, you know, kind of have that conversation like, hey, what would – what would piss you off? What would make you mad? Um, let's avoid that. So just just having a conversation. Make friends with your neighbors. Invite them over, um, and make sure that people aren't you know stepping on their azaleas. You know, it's like the conversations I've been having recently on staff training. Don't wait until someone makes a mistake or they're quitting your you know business to find out what you could have done differently. Ask them ahead of time. You know, what can I do to prevent this from happening to keep people yeah. happy? Whether it's your employees or whether it's your neighbors, you want yeah. to make sure everybody is really happy, and especially your guests and your staff. And these are all open conversations that you can have again with your neighbor, but sit down with the staff. Hey guys, what do you think would be, what are you seeing? Hey, we, we had a successful beer garden weekend. What problems did we see? You know, what worked, what didn't work? What do you guys have ideas? Should we change something? Cause ultimately the servers and stuff, those are the folks who are doing the work. They see the good, the bad, the ugly, um, you know, solicit their feedback. No, it's a great idea there, Kyle. And, you know, we've talked a lot about things, a lot of things you should try to minimize to make your outdoor space safe. What are, say, the three common mistakes that you see a beer garden make? Again, I think just trying to do too much. Um, maybe having too wide of a menu, too long of hours, um, and not having a backup plan. Yeah, I've seen the backup plan one quite a bit. No, you put out a lot of really great information. We could almost compile it into a checklist, couldn't we? Uh, I think we could. I've, well, uh, I've kind of done that. <laughs> yeah. If anybody would like a copy of that checklist, is it available? Uh, it can be, yeah. What I was thinking about doing was doing, you know, hey, come to the website, download the free PDF, um, and you get it. So I'm all about giving away that that info for free. Um, I just need to make it look pretty. But, yeah, we can absolutely do that. You can always email me at kyle at craftbrewinginsurance.com. All the websites, again, point to that, but craftbvgins.com as well. Thanks, Kyle. And when we started today, I shared what I was reading. You did mention that you just finished a checklist manifesto, but yep. what's up next on your list? Or anything else that you've read recently that you got to talk about right now? Uh, I, so I'm I'm weird. There's always signs, right? I try to pay attention to signs and what's going on. So over here, there, let me, let me right there. There was a gap, okay? There was a book there and I had it standing up. It's a favorite of mine. And like three times in one week, it fell. And I was like, if this falls one more time, I got to I gotta read it. So had you read it already? I guess yes. so. Yeah. The Secret. So The Secret by Rhonda Byrne. Uh, about manifesting things and, you know, people might think it's hokey and whatnot. But just changing your beliefs and uh, manifesting the outcomes you want, thinking that way, you know, kind of as a man thinketh, right? That, that thing, if, if you... Whether you think you can or think you can't, you're probably right. Um, so that's what that book's all about. So I figured I haven't read it in a while. It kept falling off. I was like, someone's telling me to read this. So I'm reading and it. Did you finish it yet? Or did you have the audio recording kind of playing as you get workday done? Uh, no. So I'm physically reading it. Um, been doing uh, 10 pages in the morning, 10 pages at night. 
it's little steps making yourself read those 10 pages then you'll get the way get through the book that's it yeah little steps so kind of kind of round up this conversation you know for every tap room manager brewery owner anyone on a brewery staff right now that's dealing with guests and safety you know what should they do right now following this conversation make a checklist get our checklist um think about what they want and back into it right what do we want our beer garden to be like what space do we have available and oh something i didn't hit on also was the type of furniture out there um from a weather standpoint and a hygienic standpoint it turns out that wooden furniture is better for outdoor beer gardens versus like a plastic so keep that in mind right what type of furniture do we want out there what's the vibe who's our who is our type of guest that we want to attract and we also didn't talk about one of my favorite features of an outdoor patio especially the past couple of years i've really enjoyed fire pits you know talk to me pit. for a second about safety concerns <laughs> with fire pits and anything we should be aware of to you know help minimize them well i've had these situations with the fire pit i haven't had any insurance claims with the fire pit but with the standing uh heat lamps um had a heat lamp fall uh due to wind fall on a table person went to grab it burn their hand so we need to anchor these things right how do we you know nothing's perfect but how do we make sure that that doesn't happen again um i don't have a great answer for that i thought they were pretty heavy um, i've only seen that happen once but again prepare for that situation um have rules don't you know a lot of this stuff is such common sense but people do it don't put your hand in the fire don't put your feet near the fire make sure your kids are away from the fire have it roped off just like you would have an in-ground if you have an in-ground swimming pool in your backyard you need to have a fence around it right like by law so just have rules around you know who can be near the fire pit make sure that you know you can't stick your fingers in it that sort of thing i mean you can only do so much um again where you can't be in front of everybody telling everybody what to do um and you don't want to create like rules right then it becomes like Oh, you feel like you're at home and mom's yelling at you. It's, it's like, kind of like when you go to the pool and you're 12 years old, you, you no can't swim in the deep end with that and the doll, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. You know all the fun stuff. Um, yeah. Signage goes a long way. Try to have fun with your signage. I always love, there's a pizza shop around here. It's called, they always have a sign that says, sorry, we're open instead of sorry, we're closed. Right. So I always just think like, just have fun with your signage, you know, be goofy when it comes to, you know, talking about kids or safety, you know, try to make it fun. People get a, and a lot of the things we talked about today are very basic, but all of you at breweries, you wear so many hats. You're so busy. Sometimes having that list in front of you goes a long way. Just constant yep. reminders, whether for you, for your staff, for your guests, because it's ultimately going to make everybody's experience safer, more memorable. Then they're going to come back and spend a lot more money at your tap room and beer garden. Yeah, it's an SOP, right? Just like you're going to clean your tanks out, just like you're going to fill kegs, just like you're going to roll out a beer need to have a SOP for, you know, setting up a beer garden, keeping everybody safe. Awesome. Well, Kyle, I appreciate you sharing so much insight on keeping a beer garden safe. Yeah. I'm looking forward to sharing a beer with you in September at Maker's Beautiful Outdoor Beer Garden. But in the meantime, if anybody has a burning insurance related question they'd like to reach out to you about, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah. Kyle at craftbrewinginsurance.com. Uh, the Beer Mighty Things podcast is a library that we do. Um, it's, you know, every topic you want. But, yeah, if you want to have some interaction, you are very welcome to email me. Um, or you can just send me a message through the website, too. Uh, craftbrewinginsurance.com, craftbbginscom Give me a holler. I'm here. Happy to help. Kyle, always appreciate you and love learning from you. See you in September. Cheers. Cheers Andrew. Thank you, buddy. We are proud to keep CBP 100% free and accessible to all. 
If you enjoy conversations like this, please hit the subscribe button.